0: Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Corey Emanuel and you are now listening to Tough Talks.
1: Good evening, my name is Kisha Edwards Gansey and I'm here tonight for our final Tough Talk Tuesday of 2021. Again, joining me is Dr. Corey Emanuel Um, We are going to spend tonight talking about reflections and resolutions we're going to look back at this entire year this past 12 months, how it's treated us how it's treated our families and then we're going to talk about looking ahead to 2022 I know that you know there's so much that was unfathomable about the last two years and, and we have worked through it and um, and i'm so grateful. Um, I just want to say this before we get started. I'm so grateful that we've been able to engage like this all year, especially in such a time as this. Especially when there is so much to talk about, and so much of what there is to talk about is tough to talk about. So these Tough Talk Tuesdays have been revealing. They have been inspiring. I'm just so grateful for them. And Dr. Corey, a lot of that goes to you. Katie's in the background. We had a lot of other specialists that has have been guiding us through this year. And you know, I'm just heartwarmed. This is really, truly the way that we like to build community with information and resources and with a real way to forge ahead as we think forward to the best solutions for our families and the best way to raise our children. So um, I want to get started this evening. Dr. Corey, I know you have a presentation ready for us. Um, So can we get started and then later I'll join you for some questions. And we'll dig into this year in the future. So um, I'm gonna bow out, Dr. Corey. If you could take us through some reflections and resolutions, please, sir.
0: Absolutely. Let's dive right in. Uh, thank you guys again for having me. This has been a privilege to to spend, you know, one Tuesday a month. Um, I think if myself and Keisha had our ways. We would do this every Tuesday, uh, but I'm happy to share that. I will be joining you all again in 2022. Uh, We've even discussed some live in-person presentations, So I look forward to continuing the Tough Talk conversation with you all in 2022. Uh, With that being said, tonight is really centered on how to talk to your kids about this year's highs and lows. Um, there have been many of them. Uh, and then also just making a plan, looking ahead, right? Something to look forward to, perhaps some some character uh, traits, habits uh, that we can that we can change and transform ourselves so that we can have a transformative 2022. Uh, so that's what we want to do tonight. So with that being said, as you know, if you've joined us for any other tough talk, I always like to start with the question, what brings you here today? Uh, Perhaps you just need some some guidance on helping your child navigate those highs and the lows right that we know are inevitable. So we'll talk about that tonight. Uh, one of the questions I get often as a psychologist is, are resolutions good or bad? So we'll answer that question tonight and unpack that a little bit more. And then also just the, the notion that goal setting is beneficial to both you and your child. It really can be a family sort of movement, if you will. So we're gonna look at the benefits for both you and your children tonight in tonight's Tough Talk. So I thought we'd start with you know just some really uh, concrete examples of when we say highs and lows, what exactly are we talking about, right? So when we talk about experiencing highs, particularly our children, we're talking about you know, having a sense of community being able to reconnect with friends. We know that for so much of the pandemic, we were not able to do that, right? We're very socially isolated um, just with our family unit. So it's been nice this this past year and and for much of this year to be able to reconnect with our sense of community. Um, Obviously sports and hobbies are really good examples of the highs because it's physical activity, but it's also that personal touch Um, being able to connect with those who we enjoy spending time with, right? And then just experiencing some success, Um, you know, being out of school, um, having to do everything virtual for so long as we know, was very taxing on our kids. So being able to come back into the classroom, that was a sense of just success to be able to be there with your teacher and have their guidance um, in in person and and how that was able to translate um, for many kids in terms of their, their academic performance. So, we're experiencing a lot of these things as our highs. Um, And one of the things I wanted to point out is how you know your child is experiencing a high, right? What are some of the signs of that? And we know that is just seeing them smile. Uh, we had lost so much of that for so long. Um, so, just that sense of joy, being able to see that in a physical expression. Uh, when they're experiencing a high, they enjoy playing, right? Whether it be with their siblings, other kids in the neighborhood, what have you. Uh, they exhibit a sense of curiosity, right? There's some intrigue, um, some inquiry that starts to take place. Uh, they show interest in other children, right? They want that sense of fellowship, they want that sense of connection with other kids when they're experiencing. A high. And then they don't need that constant stimulation when they're experiencing those highs. Um, But of course, as we said uh, in our title for tonight, we have to also talk about the lows. And so giving you a sense of what does that look like. So as we talked about just a moment ago, just the regression of skills, you know, the academic performance um, has been a struggle for a lot of our kids. Um, so that would certainly be one of the lows. The social isolation, you know, for some kids, uh, they did some hybrid learning. And so it wasn't sort of that full, you know, day in person with our teachers. Um, so that was hard for a lot of our kids. Loss of loved ones, you know, we're still experiencing COVID as a global pandemic, right? And so many of our kids did lose someone they love and care about. And then also just that general anxiety depression that regardless of a pandemic or not um, is very much a part of the experience of a lot of our our young kids today. Now, signs of these things, um, which we've talked about in, in multiple tough talks is you start to see changes in sleep patterns, right? Changes in the way they eat, um, increased aches and pains, and increased focus on their body, uh, changes in mood and behavior, uh, withdrawal, um, isolation, difficulty concentration. Um, you know, that ties back into our academic performance, and then increased worrying and the inability to focus. Um, And as I've said in in other tough talks as well, what we're looking for when we talk about the lows, um, what to be aware of is just the duration in which we might see these things. You know, when you start to see something become a pattern for upwards of 30 days or more, then that's when you really as a parent um, want to intervene Um, And and actually look for outside support. So with that being said, as we begin to pivot away from, okay, what are the highs and lows? What does that look like for my child? Um, For many of you on that last slide, you might say, you know what, this has been going on for a while. Um, And if that's the case, I really want to strongly encourage you that this is the time to seek the help of a licensed mental health professional. Uh, we, as parents and guardians, we can't do it all on our, on our own. And we have people who are gifted and have the skill set to be able to guide our children out of some of those um, long um, lows that they might be experiencing. But on the other end of that, you know, we really want to focus tonight on just the, the the sense of resiliency that so many of us have as family units. We want to pull from that. We want to think about resetting, right? This is a perfect time to, to do a reset for the year ahead and also set some new goals. So that's what we want to talk about now. Um, I do think that it's, it's very important as we think about all of this year's tough talks, everything that we've talked about. There's sort of been this through line that stress is inevitable, right? But one of the things that we haven't really talked about is that there's sort of tiers, if you will, to stress. There's different um, classes of stress. And so one of those is what we call positive stress. And what I mean by positive stress, I know that might sound like an oxymoron, but that our kids are still being challenged, right? And being pushed mildly out of their comfort zone. This is really where, you know, that sort of sense of resiliency really starts to thrive. Um, So, you know, leading to their growth, if it leads to their growth and personal development, that's actually a good thing, right? So not all stress is bad. There's also what we call tolerable stress, right? This is when bad stuff happens. Again, a lot of things are inevitable, but it happens in the presence of buffering, meaning that you as the parent are there as a guide. You're there to intervene, to be able to pull from your own experiences of dealing with stress, to help your child in their moment of distress, right? So that's what we call more of that tolerable, tolerable stress. And then there's finally what we call toxic, toxic stress, right? This is that, chronic severe stress, where again, going back to the length of time in which your child might be experiencing stress, right? So if that is the case, um, it is possible that it it could be very damaging to their development. And again, that's what we want to look for those outside sources to help us, that village that we always reference. So I say that to say, as we set new goals, life happens. We know that, but you as the parent can be the buffer, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit more tonight, you as a buffer. Now, I thought this was a really great quote. This is from another uh, researcher, Mary Dozer, and she said, children can go through divorce. They can go through death. They can go through just an amazing array of things and come out looking pretty good if they've got somebody who can support them. And so we hope that through all of these tough talks that we've offered this year and even in what we're about to get into tonight that you will feel like you have the tools the arsenal to be able to buffer and be that support that your child needs all right so as we think about resolutions and goal settings right I want us to think about them by sourcing what has already been a challenge, but also what are some of our aspirations, right? So again, just to take a moment and revisit, what did we say were signs that your child might be having a really challenging time, right? We have those here, but then we have just some of those very general aspirations, right? Which might be making the team or the squad, getting a higher GPA if they've previously been having a hard time academically. And for some of our older kids too, as we get into the teen years, maybe it's something like getting their first car, right? So we're gonna start talking in just a moment about how to uh, build our resolutions and set goals, both around challenges as well as aspirations. All right, so one of the things I said that we wanted to answer tonight was this question are resolutions a good or bad thing, right? There's been a lot of discourse over this for really a long time now, but I as a psychologist would like to say to you, theoretically, no, resolutions are not bad. The caveat though, is that people try to make sweeping character changes overnight, which isn't really realistic, okay? Um, And then finally, you know, the goal really behind setting resolutions right is setting small attainable goals throughout the year so again not this whole notion of all right i'm gonna be a different person overnight and everything that has sort of been chaotic around me is gonna just magically you know become better overnight that is not the case uh we need to sort of wade through this again small steps attainable goals because um, it, it can be really overwhelming to say, all right, January 1st, my life is now going to look completely different. Um, so we, that is the only thing I will say about resolution is just making sure that these, these are resolutions that you set are small, are attainable, and are things that you can work on throughout the year as a whole. All right, so let's get into our list of of do's and don'ts, right? We'll start with the don'ts. When you are having a conversation with your child and, you know, maybe perhaps you're about to begin the process of setting resolutions, what I don't want you to do is dictate their resolutions, right? As we've said with every Tough Talk this year, this is about having an ongoing conversation. Perhaps the conversation has already started, but rooted in challenges that your child has been experiencing or things that you've just You know observed about them that you know could be better and so it's about guiding them in a conversation so that they can pull out where they might want to make some positive changes. The other thing is don't try to make too many resolutions right, so we want to be granular we want to scale this thing right so that once again it's not too overwhelming. Some of the do's, one is ask them what they want for themselves. Right again, conversations probably been happening. You've been making many observations, things that maybe they've been sort of asking you for or or wanting you to sort of maybe just give to them. This is an opportunity to work those things into the conversation and set them as goals or resolutions. Uh, Be concrete, specific and manageable. Again, this goes back to setting small attainable goals that can be worked on throughout the year and not something that's just gonna magically change overnight. All right, so those are our do's and don'ts. I thought it would be good, you know, and I I probably uh, will use this as a model moving forward, but I thought it'd be good to look at some examples that may be moderately, you know, good examples of resolutions, but how we can actually make them better, more attainable, right? So for example, this is one I'm sure every parent tuned in, uh, has heard before as a previous resolution, and then as you get into the year, it doesn't quite sort of, you know, happen, right? So instead of saying something like, I'm gonna keep my room neater, what we want to do is change that to, I'm going to make my bed as soon as I wake up in the morning, right? So, you know, the room as a whole, yeah, we might have shoes, you know, kind of thrown over the place. Maybe there's still gonna be some, a few toys spread out. But if I could just start with just pulling that comforter back and just, you know, nicely putting my pillow on the bed, that's a start, right? It's so much more specific than I'm just gonna keep my room neater. All right, so that's one example. Uh, Another example, I'm going to spend less time on my tablet or phone. Mind you, your child perhaps has never said that, right? But you might wanna encourage them in this space if, for example, academic performance has not been what it needs to be. Perhaps they are trying to work towards some type of uh, team or, or squad. This is where they can start to make those adjustments and you could suggest, you know, or if you were to spend maybe a little bit more time here and less time on your phone or tablet, that goal might be a little bit more attainable. But instead of saying, I'm going to spend less time on my tablet or phone, you might say, or they might set a goal, like I'm going to put my tablet or phone away at this particular time each night or in the evenings, right? So again, let's scale this thing. Let's get specific, concrete. Um, Another example, I'm going to get better at tennis, right? Again, very broad, there's a lot of ways you could sort of approach that or tackle that. Uh, But I think where you can get more concrete is I'm going to practice tennis for an hour each day, six days a week, right? Now, mind you, depending on their goal, whatever it is they might be, you know, trying to pursue, they might need to spend a little bit more time, right? But this is how you get very concrete and specific as you're helping your kids navigate this whole notion of setting goals and making resolutions. All right, so I want you to remember this. We don't take anything else away from this last tough talk of the year. Is that making resolutions and setting goals is really about self-discipline. There's really no other way to package it. This is really about just making a personal, you know, decision of this is what I want, and having some type of plan, some good habits, and practice. To help you reach that. And nobody's gonna hold you accountable for that most of the time, right? As parents, there's a little bit of that, but really, this is about giving them, helping them build that skill set of self discipline. All right, you know, I always try to come to these tough talks with a couple of resources that I think will be helpful. Uh, there's one called a good habit tracker. Um, And I'll put these links in the chat as we wrap up here. Uh, But this is an example, the screenshot here is just about, you know, having sort of a calendar, if you will, of what you're going to do, what sort of your target or your goal is each day of the week and being able to sort of just check that off. Right. So, again, making it tangible. This is what we want. We want to be able to see uh, the fruit of our labor, if you will, step by step. Um, This is a great time of the year um, to think about doing a family vision board activity, you know, pulling all the magazines out that you've collected over the years, everybody sit down at the kitchen table or down in the middle of the living room floor and everybody build their own vision board for what they would like to see or manifest in 2022. Uh, There's also something called a goal setting worksheet, which again works very similar to the Good Habit Tracker, but identifying a few of your goals and what you're going to do in your day-to-day life to achieve those goals. All right, so I'll be sure to share those in the chat here momentarily. Now, parents, you didn't think that you would come to tonight's Tough Talk, and I would only speak to what we or what our kids could do, right? I I had to hold us accountable as well. So I thought I would toss out a couple of inspiring resolutions for us parents, right? Um, One of them you know, could possibly be when I'm mad at my spouse, I will not yell at my kids, right? Fostering those healthy environments, healthy family environments. Another one, when I'm mad at my kids, I will give myself a timeout, right? Again, we know these things are inevitable, we're not expecting perfection, that's unrealistic, but there are some things that we can do to shift the atmosphere of our family environment, right? Um, I will not compare my child with my neighbor's smarter, taller, sweeter one, right? So again, that whole comparison thing, our kids are gonna deal with that enough with their peers in school, how can we kind of curb that um, in our home environments, right? Number four, I will not rush, worry, or over schedule my way through 2022, right? We've all been guilty of that. Um, I certainly am, but again, something that we could just be more cognizant about, right? And how that impacts the entire family unit. And then finally, a fifth one I will say I love you to each child at least once a day when he or she at least expects it, most likely to hear it, right? So again, You make your own, this is just sort of sentence starters or idea starters, if you will, for what makes sense for you and your family. And then of course, I said it earlier with the kids, but you know, I have to hold us accountable too, Uh, cutting down on screen time, right? I think a lot of us parents I'm seeing are making it a very conscious choice to do that around dinner dinner time, but are there other moments uh, where you as a family are gathered that everybody could cut down on their screen time, right? Um, So challenge for all of us, right? What resolution would equally serve you and your child in 2022 to yield a happier, healthier family environment, right? We've looked at a lot of different examples tonight and I hope that has stirred something up in you that you know what, I hadn't thought about that but I would like to implement these as part of my 2022 resolutions.
1: Thank you, Dr. Corey,
0: of course,
1: that was great. That was very helpful. I just want to mention um, before we get started that I love that last resolution for parents saying, I love you when you least expect it. Love doesn't need to be routine, right? And yeah, I love that. I might I might take that one okay. for my own resolution for, for 2022. Um, Lester, again, I have, um, I have some questions for you. Sure. Um, and I'm thinking about there's a word that you used over and over again. When we were talking about our resolutions and and just how children are. And that word is resiliency. Resiliency. And, and I was just, I was contemplating that as, as you were speaking. And, and my question is this. We I've said it so many times that children are resilient and that they're ha- able to handle different circumstances in ways that seem unimaginable, that they can handle and pick up, you know, pick up themselves and keep going. How do you really identify resiliency in children? Like, how do you know when it's not silence? And how do you know when those I'm fines are actually real? Like, how do you know when it's resilience? Yeah, that's that's literally the question, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it, it all goes back to really ad- attitude and behavior. Right. like Mm -hmm. Your point it's always not going to be a verbal thing that you're going to be able to hear that. Oh, mom or dad, you know what? I learned this from that. And this is sort of how I'm going to move forward. It doesn't always look that way. I think with with kids, it's more observational in nature, um, whether it be in their dialogue or their interactions with you. Uh, Sometimes uh, having conversations that parent teacher conversation to see how it might be showing up in the classroom, Uh, just pulling from your village. I know we we say that all the time, but everybody kind of has to have an eye and ear open. For how our children are being transformed through a lot of their experiences, but I would say there's really no black and white way to say, "Oh, my child is resilient." It's really going to be looking through the lens of how their attitude, um, whether or not you know you're seeing them constantly feel defeated, or they're building a tougher skin um, as they as they encounter these different tough moments.
1: For sure, and then in instances where their siblings where family circumstances are, there's a challenge that happens and, you know, maybe you have children that react differently. How, you know, where, where is your spidey sense? Would you say it's intuitive or should you definitely look at each child individually?
0: Yeah, I do think you have to look at each child individually. And I think you also look for opportunities to allow siblings to influence one another in that way. I think that it's, it's, It's hard and and something that we as parents have to fight through in those formative years to want to kind of swoop in and and provide a solution. Uh, But I think in the instances with siblings in in particular, you can allow them to be the role model um, for resiliency right letting the other kids model. Okay, you fell off the swing set you didn't cry this time oh, wow, maybe I could fall off the swing and not cry. Or if I do shed a tear, I know that I'm going to be okay, right? Yeah. So it's just looking for those very tangible examples and then uh, serving up those cues for your kid. Well, you know, you remember when your, your sister, she she didn't do so hot on that test she had last week, but she studied hard and look at her this week. She, she got a letter grade higher. So you are looking for those moments, you know, to be able to to, to highlight and showcase resiliency but again you're not necessarily doing the work for the child so that they they don't learn from their their own um challenges themselves
1: and then while at the same time i guess being mindful not to compare the, yeah, to, <laughs> to each other right Okay. Life.
0: right and there you know there's there's language around that right you know you, yeah. you want to stay away from you know well if you were like your brother or if you were <laughs> like so so take the comparison words out yep. of okay. those moments and and you're typically going to be be safer
1: for sure yeah. um in terms of goal setting you know I thought about this I, I tried to imagine when I was a little girl and I I do not remember ever a time when I set a realistic goal you know like I I was wildly imaginative. My goal might have been to fly. Uh, I'm going to learn how to fly by the end of next month, like something like that, you know? So what do we do? Um, What if our children, we're talking to our children and their goals seem really, maybe not so great. Like, okay, we have the the child who has a good sense of humor. What's your goal for next year? I'm gonna play lots of video games. I'm gonna play so many video games that I don't even sleep, that's my goal, right? right? Or the child who says, my goal for next year is to figure out how to launch my hamster into outer space. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Think, so
0: Yeah. So I think again, very realistic. You know, if you've ever, whether you're parent, guardian, youth leader, you've heard some of those lofty, perhaps outlandish uh, goals come up in conversation. And I think where we as, as parents can can step in and th- in those instances are asking questions that would take the child a step further beyond just that lofty goal. So if it's like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, shoot myself into space in 2022, you might want to ask them, so why is it that you want to shoot yourself into space? You know, what is it about space that you feel like, you know, you want to just instantly shoot yourself there, right? And yeah. and kind of unpack really, what what is the, the main root of what it is you want to do, right? You know, maybe that's a conversation that would lend itself to, you know, space and going to a space museum or, you know, uh, learning more about astronauts, but you're looking for the opportunity to go beyond the lofty goal, because there could be something underneath there that it is that they, they actually want to aspire to, but how do we make it a little bit more
1: realistic? Yeah. Gotcha. And- it sounds like you're describing a process called gold mining.
0: Exactly.
1: I love the how related to gold mining that sounds, but yep. it is like sometimes we have to help them shape these things. Right. Absolutely. Caregivers. Yeah. Yeah. I think That's I,
0: beautiful. Be as, as adults. I remember when I was like maybe 15 or 16, I wrote on a little postcard or whatever that I was going to retire when I was 40. Um, Not 40 yet. So anything is possible. But (laughs) even if I think about that goal for myself, what what was it about you that wanted to retire at 40? It's not just because you're lazy and don't want to work anymore. There's a certain lifestyle. Maybe you want to travel more and you feel like if you weren't bound to a job, you'd be able to do those things. So, again, I just that that same thought process, just using that with our kids is really helpful.
1: For sure. Um, And then thinking through goals and and their perspectives of their future, how can we help children first know who they are? Like, what can we do as parents and caregivers to say, like, you know, how can you learn, child? You know, who you are, what gifts you have, what your intention is, what your purpose is, like, how can we help them with that?
0: Right. Exposure. You know, exposure. Mm -hmm. My mom put me on a plane for the first time when I was 10 years old. And she was like, okay. you haven't stopped traveling since, right? So mind you, other kids might've been introduced to traveling young and they hated it. And so they're not an avid traveler. That's okay. But that exposure is allowing them to experience the things that they may want to lean more into and tap into.
1: Yeah, yeah. And exposure, like how how pushy can parents be with exposure? Like- well, I think,
0: I think you listen to your child, right? If okay. your child, you know, if your daughter is just like, I hate soccer. I want to be a cheerleader. You have to listen to that, right? As much as as much as you think your child might not be that athletic, you, you've got to let them have that experience of maybe trying out for the soccer team or falling down in the mud a few times being like, mom, I really hate soccer. Then you say, all right, I know you don't like soccer. What are some other things you'd like to try? And then you just go down that journey until they find the thing that they like. Right. This is like we always say it's a marathon. Right. Yeah. (laughs) This whole process is a marathon.
1: Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, In the beginning, you talked about lows and how to really um, figure out how to um, identify what these markers are and and help our children where they where they are. Um, And you and over again, over and over again, in all the tough talks, you talked about engaging in the help of a mental health professional. Um, talking to pediatricians, engaging the village um, when you know one of the things as parents is that we we can simultaneously deal with difficult situations, you know and we prioritize our children but how how do we manage this like I'm telling you it can be a juggle, right? Yeah. you know like we're all like at the end here we're at 2020's year end. Right. we have had two pandemic years. We have dealt with isolation. You listed all the things that have happened over the last two years, lots of transitions, lots of moving parts. We're all here now together. Yeah. Yeah. How do we prioritize this help? Like, it's like, is the prescription, like everyone should be in a family counseling session. Everyone should be in individual therapy. Like what we do now with all of this.
0: You know, the thing is, and I've, I've been saying this for a long time, there is no one size fits all sort of intervention when you think about an entire family unit, right? Um, I've used a lot of examples from my own life in these tough talks. You know, I I was not raised in a a mother, you know, father dynamic, it was just me and my mom. And so I I speak often to my own experience. You know, my mom utilized, you know, elders in the church. Uh, You know, she had great relationships with all of my teachers. Um, I would be in after school programs. You know, it, it really was not all on her to sort of lead me to where I needed to, to be at all times. So I think that can be very overwhelming for parents to think that, okay, I'm the, I'm the mom here. I'm, I'm the one that's fully responsible, responsible for everybody's mental health, including my own. I think we have to relinquish some of that control um, and, and lean on to the people that are part of our village, right? I think that's the most uh, realistic approach to doing this. Um, and every child is gonna need something different. Um, talk to anybody that has multiple kids. Every child needs something different. Every child has different interests. And so it's just a matter of listening and being open to the path that each child's life is sort of taking. Um, but yeah, I don't. There there is no sort of like, you know this. This is the way to go. It, it's it's gonna be tailored for every family a little bit differently.
1: That's right, for sure. Yeah. I'm, th- yeah, I'm thinking about like how you know we we talk about this in our monthly talks, and and it's and it's not easy to decide what to do next. Yeah. You know, every every month when you list the do's and the don'ts, you know, it's like okay, what order do we go in? Like, it's a lot. You know, life doesn't necessarily come with a manual. So we have to use our best decision at the time and just go with
0: it. Yeah. And I think, you know, probably the most consistent uh, sort of do um, Mm -hmm. or don't rather in in our our list this year has been, you know, don't try to sort of insert your own experience upon your child. Right. Right. You know, like you just can't. Like it it would be nice if we could sort of live life that way, but your child is having an experience that is unique to them in the time that they're in. You know, Mm -hmm. we often talk about uh, us 80s babies talk about that, you know, we didn't we didn't contend with cell phones and tablets, you know, when we when we were coming of age, but our kids are very much uh, part of that culture that 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 is part of their identity in a way. You know, and so mm-hmm. we have to take those things in consideration.
1: For sure. Yeah. Um, this this next question, I want to just preface it with like how important it is to stay present and to stay in our now for peace and understanding and real joy and gratitude. Um, one of the things that I feel is a recurring theme in our adult lives is having to deal with things that we didn't deal with in our childhood. And we are still healing from things that we didn't handle in our childhoods, you know, and we're here today with all of that. Now we have, we're raising children and we now have the opportunity to have them close out their years and, and really assess what last year was, release those things and move forward. That is not something that I feel like is some, something that we all were, have walked through this life knowing how to do. So as parents, as we're looking at our children and and we're trying to close out that year and, and suss it out and figure out like, you know, what didn't work from that year as we move into the next one, how can we start these healthy practices on that, on release and healing for our future selves?
0: Yeah, I love that question. I wish I was asked that question more often. I think that what makes that so uncomfortable for so many parents is you are wanting your child to do work that you've never done. Mm -hmm. And so that goes back to a role modeling. Um, I don't think there's a single psychologist that would say that you are the best model for your child when it comes to, uh, displaying or demonstrating resiliency, right? How do you, what's your process for going back and looking at your 2021 and deciding what worked, what didn't work. What changes are absolutely necessary? Um, how are you going about setting a specific, concrete, attainable goals for yourself? What examples from previous years? There's there's been, I'm sure if you look back at the totality of your life, yeah, there have been other hard years. 100%. How were you able? Yeah, how were you able to overcome those instances and moments? Because again, it's it's not really reinventing the wheel you know it may be brand new you may be finding yourself in the position where you're like oh crap i i want my kids to begin this process of healing um and and being able to bounce back from from whatever wounds uh they might have endured uh but what does that look like for you and then you can be a model for them in that way
1: mm-hmm. you know that brings up the word forgiveness to me. And and you know, and a lot of what we repeat, I think, when we're dealing with our present selves is the need to forgive ourselves, forgive others for what we perceive as things that, you know, have damaged us in some way. Um, do you feel that a practice of forgiveness is important for us to model for our children in these same ways?
0: Crucial. Absolutely. I think one of my favorite quotes. Um, And some people, you know, depending on where you are and your your own healing may push back on this a little bit. And so I I accept that. But one of my favorite quotes is uh, we were all watching. We didn't realize it, but we were watching our parents grow up, you know. And so that just speaks to there is no manual on this thing. Right. right. Every generation who raises raises a child, they're learning as they're growing up. Because to your point you just made a moment ago, there are some things that you didn't learn. There are some things that were our childhood wounds that you might just now be sort of addressing, and are even calling a wound, right? So I think that we that's something that we have to to keep in mind is that uh, there there is no perfect parents. There will never be a perfect parent, and you know as you continue to learn and grow and, and evolve as an adult, you can bestow. Those 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 best practices those good habits um, onto your kids. So
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you think it's fair? Like I was um, that brought up authority. I feel I feel like I hear a word, and you know, as you're speaking, um, what do you think about asking um, children at the end of the year? Like as I look forward, like you know, those resolutions that we have as parents. You think it's a good idea to perhaps ask our kids? what should love, be on our that, list?
0: I love that idea.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, think, I think that you're gonna always be the adult, right? There's nothing gonna change that by you asking a question like that. You're gonna always get the final say. Um, so yeah, just relinquishing that that sense of, you know, I'm the one dictating every decision and just, you know, ask your kids. I mean, I think you'd be surprised at, at what you would hear. You know, I I do think if we go back to that list of, of, of resolution suggestions for parents. They all were very centered in in your temperament um and and sort of the energy that you bring to the house. So Mm -hmm. I I would probably think that most kids would speak to that, you know, mom, if you could just be a little gent gentler in this particular (laughs) area or, you know, if you would just sort of you know, taper the screaming just a little bit, but <laughs> okay. things, things don't immediately happen. Uh, I'm sure that that's probably what you would hear a lot of, but yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with asking what your kids think you're, some of your resolutions, but like maybe just one, so you don't feel overwhelmed by their response. Like what's one resolution, um, son, yeah. you think would, would be good for me to adopt in this upcoming year?
1: For sure. You know, that made me think about it just now that as parents, you know, there's not really like an evaluation process, like you know most professions. I think the teachers have evaluations, and then they get pointers, and they get like a you know a whole like this is our way. These are ways that you can make your classroom better. And we don't really have anybody like in our house taking notes, <laughs> saying like you know Kisha, you got to change this and, and the, dangers, the
0: danger of that is you then yeah. have a lot of adults who. You know, you're, you're kind of in this position of like, man, like, I wish my child, instead of telling me at age 60, you know, how right. much I failed them when they were were <laughs> adolescent, exactly. if yeah. I had gotten a little help along the way, to would be like, because I do think that sometimes we are so programmed and conditioned by how we were raised, that we're mm-hmm. just sort of going through the motions, like... Yep. You know, even even when there were moments where we said, oh, my God, I would never do this particular thing or say this particular thing like my mom and dad did, you find yourself in that same position once um, mm-hmm. you have kids. So, yeah, I, I think you <laughs> hit the, the ball out of the park. I wish there was an evaluation.
1: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, said, little, I think that, yeah, it could I be a job be. for someone, I'm sure. It absolutely could You be. know, just to be a little fly on the wall give you a little typed up notes and suggestions and how, ways to handle it better. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, and as we uh, we look forward, for sure, as well, um, what what can we do as far as, like, boundaries with our goals and our lives? You know, you, you talked about screen time before, like, too much of introduction of the outside. I'll tell you this. I was in a class last Saturday, and... Um, a, person in the class shared that they could not focus on anything in their life as a positive or, you know, they felt guilty about their life and they couldn't live in gratitude because they were, there was so much in the extraneous world that they were seeing happen that it just, it just was impossible for them to, to have inward reflection, to think about the good in their own lives. And as, as I'm thinking about us, like we're talking about a lot of positivity going forward, a lot of planning, a lot of, you know, like these are our resolutions and et cetera um how what should what do we do about the outside like how do we you know because that's what comes in it's distraction distraction comes in and that's what usually prevents us from our intention so what how do we handle this and balance this out the world
0: you know again not not a black and white answer with this because Mm -hmm. the, the truth is the only thing you can control is you Yeah, it really is. It's the only thing you can control. So I think for me, what has worked for me is just finding a practice of solitude, Mm -hmm. meaning that for one, I need to get quiet by myself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meditation, I know, doesn't work for everybody. I get it. Um, I've found that, you know, going on a hike, um, you know, putting on a podcast or putting on some type of deep breathing um, activity really works for me. I think everybody has to find what works for them. But again, can only control you. So mm-hmm. when you can get yourself in an environment where it's just you and no one else, what does that what does that look like, right? You know, maybe you do need to put your phone on airplane mode. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you do need to power down the computer um, so you don't hear the little dings from your emails. You know, whatever you need to do for you to mm-hmm. create quiet in your life, is, is the way to start. And if you need to find a practice within that quietness to, to, to take you deeper into a sense of feeling peace, um, then by all means do that. But the first things first, you gotta know that there's no, the world is gonna be the world. <laughs> Chaos is gonna constantly be in our peripheral, uh, but what do you do for yourself um, and what how much time you spend devoting to some mm-hmm. type of practice to quiet that noise is what's going to be the the game changer for you.
1: That's right. And translating that for kids. I was when you said what do you do for yourself? You know, that sounds so radical to say that to a child. You know, what do you do for you? Like what are your actions? Yeah. How are you going to be obedient to these attainable goals that you set up for yourself and and these resolutions that you set up for yourself? Yeah. You know, I saw and how, the- you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, there was a video that went viral, might have been like top of the pandemic, but there was a mom who set up a space in her house. It was like uh, the quiet room or the meditation room where you know there were no cell phones, there were no TVs, nothing of that nature, but there were some stimulants in the room uh, to help build that practice. Because I want to be very clear, um, What we're talking about tonight is is one of those things that doesn't just happen overnight. Right. If your child has really struggled or you've really struggled with really just quieting your thoughts, that is not something that's going to take place overnight. That's going to be something that you work at gradually. You know, I've I've heard people talk about how to get into meditation and calming their minds. They started with 60 seconds and then they went to two minutes. And then they went to three minutes. So I think everybody has to be realistic in that finding small time interval intervals to just practice this. And you may, you may not get it right the first week. It may take you two weeks. It may take you a month. But just know that you're honoring your own spirit when you take those little small steps to building a practice that's gonna shift. When I tell you, when you get it, because it happened for me when you get it down to a daily practice or at least the moments where you need it the most it it changes everything it changes you it changes your relationships with your spouse kids colleagues but do it in small intervals and yes. I, I promise you with time it's going to make a huge difference
1: that's right in small intervals and and thinking about that even the concept of a year is it fair to say i mean I look back over the last 40 years that I've, you know, graced this planet. Um I can't say all 40 of them I've been aware of the fact that I'm gracing this planet and making progress. But um every year wasn't made for breakthrough and change and uh and new beginnings and all those things. The years are very different. Some years had wildly different themes for sure. Um and you know how how can we um create a situation for children where they're setting resolutions, but it's not about transforming over the course of a year. And you just said it yourself. It's not about the time. Right. Um, it's about becoming a better version of you constantly. Right. That's what our job is, period. Right. right. Yeah.
0: I think going back to the the role model example that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. I think every parent listening to this tonight has to ask yourself, how does grace show up for you? Mm. how do you extend grace to yourself because then that's going to translate into how does grace show up in your family and right. the reason i'm bringing up grace is you've got to be able to give grace to yourself in the midst of goal setting and making resolutions right So you know, we we thought we were we're nearing the end of the pandemic and then this new variant entered okay. right so mm-hmm you know, that might mean that a trip that you had planned to go and travel internationally in March is going to look a lot different. So how do you give grace to this grand vacation that you just planned?
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Um, So I think we have to, again, look at how, how do we extend grace to ourselves? How, when somebody makes a mistake and something doesn't work out in our home, how does grace look there? And -hmm. then we can extend that to when we set goals and life, like we said at the top of the tough talk, life is gonna happen. There are things that we just that's cannot right. predict and we just kinda, we gotta just rock with it, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I I would conclude that spiel with just, what does grace look like in your life?
1: That's right. And you know, um, that's an important question and it brought me to, when as you were saying that, I was thinking that um, we have to own who we are. We have to teach our children to own who they are. It's one thing to say, I look forward to going to Paris in March. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to say, I am a traveler. I am an explorer. I'm curious about the world. I look for every opportunity to learn something. Absolutely. That can be served on a microscopic level and a huge level through international travel and and what have you. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what, you know, that's what I was thinking about for sure. For sure.
0: For sure, I, mm-hmm. I again I pull from my own examples. You know, there have been so many trips that over the past two years I've had to cancel and sort of reinvent. Okay, where where can I go to still get that little travel fix? You know, I there's a number of beaches in the United <laughs> States that I've never been to before. So you know, I may not be able to go to Greece, but maybe I can go to a part of, of Florida that i never experienced before. So I think, yeah, being able to just sort of bend um, and adapt to the times.
1: Right. Adapting.
0: Yeah.
1: Adapting. I think that's a good resolution going forward. Now I will adapt. I
0: that just sum it up.
1: My- <laughs> right.
0: I will adapt. I will be
1: willing to adapt.
0: I will adapt to unpredictable situations.
1: Exactly, yeah. with faithful flexibility. That was my theme in 2020, faithful flexibility.
0: Faithful flexibility, I
1: love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, our kids are better for conversations like this. I'm, Absolutely. This is, this is so good. Absolutely. This is so good. Um, I, I really wish. I mean, I know that we can't write the past, but um, but we have editing power for our future. And, and this is, we're setting the stage with that, you know? I love this. Um, as we look ahead at, at our kids, we're getting to know them, we're helping them plan, we're helping them look back. What else, what is it that we can't miss? You know, like if we were to think like, you know, we all always are looking for the secret sauce, right? You know, like that moment, the aha moment, the light bulb. Um, what is it that we can't miss? Like if we were to just be able to do one little thing, to, to change the game one little token of inspiration what do you think that would be
0: you can't miss listening and mm-hmm. when i say that i mean to what's said and what's unsaid mm-hmm. um, i think that the way that our kids get in the car from school um the way they might come to us in the morning down to the breakfast table you know um we we didn't necessarily know our generation growing up, we didn't necessarily know how to practice self-awareness, right? You kind of just had to ride out whatever was happening in your environment. And I think to your point, Keisha, you know, editing, right? There's an opportunity, I think, through listening to our kids, what is both said and what, and what is unsaid, to really shift the narrative
1: mm-hmm.
0: of, of adulthood for them, yeah. Right? We, we we have an opportunity, I believe. Um, but again, if we're not doing that work ourselves, it's gonna be hard to, to identify, you know, what is going on with our kids if we haven't tapped into what's going on with us. Yeah. I would say,
1: listen. listen that's beautiful. That is beautiful. And I'm thinking about like paying attention. And that is an exchange that paying attention. Like when you think about that phrase, there is a real exchange that happens there. You're paying something, you get, you put it in and you get something in return and you learn what's happening.
0: Our, when, our what's bodies happening. are message centers. That's right. Our bodies are message centers, right? So if, if you're feeling an ache or a pain, um, you know, if you get a headache, um, you know, if, if, if you just feel overwhelmed, like your body is telling you, communicating to you that there needs to be some type of shift there needs to be some type of change so that you feel a sense of peace calm release um and so we have to be in tune to that. but our kids aren't just going to naturally know how to do that type of work it doesn't that's right but if you as the role model as a comprehensive role model can show them what that looks like they they have a fighting chance
1: they do they really do And I love that. You know, we have to shift it. We have to shift things. We have to listen to them. And we have to understand their silence. Yeah. That doesn't cost anything, does it? It
0: doesn't cost a thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It doesn't cost a thing.
1: Yeah. That's right. That's beautiful. Oh, my word. I'm so grateful (laughs) for this conversation. I am. And I'm looking forward to the conversations that we're going to have in 2022. I thank you for agreeing to stay on this ride with us. We are loving each month. Um, And we're glad to be able to have some things in person, too. We do this because we understand the spirit of community. And we understand that we have to do all that we can to write this. Our children are here with us. They're on this journey with us. They, you know, I, uh, Dr. Corey brought up the editing power um, that I mentioned. Um, And that is like, we have, you know, our journey is written in black ink, right? We see that's our everyday. That's our present. But we can look back at that with that little red ink pen, that little red ink pen from English class, and we can go like, you know what, I don't like how that went, I don't think this is how this conversation could go, we can do it again, we can talk about it, we can listen. We can model, we can change things with our actions. We can take that red ink pen and make a better tomorrow. And that's what I'm hopeful for as a parent and leader of the explorers community. We all have to do what we can to make sure that our children grow up and to be adults that that are passionate about this world that we live in and care about this planet and all its people. So Dr. Corey, thank you. This has been a beautiful evening. We look forward to welcoming, welcoming you back. Happy, happy holidays. We'll be saying happy new year in no time. We wish you well. We send you love. We send you light and we send you encouragement. I'm Kisha edwards Ganzi, and we're signing off for the last Tough Talk Tuesday of 2021. Thank you, Katie, in the background. She's been holding it down for us and, and all of our Explorers crew. We love what we do. And I hope that it shows. Everyone have a good night and we will see you in January.
0: Remember, you are your child's most influential role model. As they seek to form their individual identities, you influence their attitudes, behavior, values, the way they coexist with others, as well as how they choose to love and honor who they uniquely are. Yes, we know, it's quite the tall order. But guess what? You don't have to do it alone. We're all figuring it out, one day at a time, together until next time, live, laugh, go explore.